Y'all didn't know I could run sound too, did you?
So it's not a time to be afraid, maybe concerned, <laughs> but it's a time to rise up and to start to ask God, where do you want me to make an impact in my world, in my life? Your mission field is right between your two feet <laughs> where God has you. That is your mission field. So when I was seven years old, we were living in Houston, Texas, and um, we were going to a vibrant church, and they had a program for children on Wednesday nights. And the great seed sower and evangelist Billy Graham, he and his team had produced a movie for children. And I just happened to be there that Wednesday night that that film was shown. And in that film, a little boy came to faith in Jesus. And at that moment, ladies, the light turned on in my life. And I could not wait to get home to talk to my mom. I call her Mimi. <laughs> and I wanted to talk to her about the film, what I had seen, and what was salvation all about. And so we got home that night, and we had a heart-to-heart, -heart, and she wanted to make sure that I understood what is spiritual rebirth? Why did Jesus came come? And she shared all of that with me, and then she confirmed I was ready. I was ready. And so I knelt at the fireplace as a seven-year-old little girl, and I opened wide the doors of my heart and invited Jesus in. And from that moment on, a passion and a fire just entered my little seven-year-old heart and body. I couldn't wait to tell my friends at school. I mean, I was, I've never been overseas, but I call myself a missionary. I have the heart of a missionary. Um, so that very same, same year, providentially, my dad got a new job. And he sat us down and said, we're headed to the gateway to the West. And I thought, where is that? <laughs> St. Louis, Missouri. So we're famous for the gateway arch, the Cardinals. I know we have red fans here, but <laughs> we feel like our Cardinals. And so we packed up that moving truck and we moved to St. Louis. And at that time, it was just my mom and dad and my little sister Kate and I, my brother Tom would later be born in St. Louis. But hope was high on the horizon. It felt like a new adventure. And so we got there, mom and dad bought their first house and we moved to a little town. It's a lake community called Lake St. Louis. And a lot of people were starting to head out to the western um, part of the suburbs of St. Louis. And so there were a lot of new people that moved in on our street and on our court. And it, it was like a fresh start. And we started praying, Lord, we need a church. We had a home. I've always considered my church my second home. <laughs> and so God led us to a little church in the next town over. And as we were getting off the exit, there was a sign that said, Crossroads of the Nations. <laughs> and so we started attending this church that had a vibrant pastor. Even as a seven-year-old girl, I listened to his messages and I could understand them. And he had a beautiful wife, still does. Her name is Miss Terry, and I was just enamored with her. She was quiet, but she was kind. And I felt like she had a direct line to Jesus. If I had a prayer request, I wanted Miss Terry to know about it. And to this day, I, if I have a serious prayer need, I reach out to Miss Terry. 
and she faithfully prays for me. And then there was Miss Nancy, my mom's friend, Miss Nancy. She was colorful, dressed to the nines. She was a fashionista, and I was enamored by her. She was outgoing and funny, and she had a way of speaking the truth in love. Um, that I just thought, oh, I want to be like that. I want to be like Miss Nancy. And she had a tremendous impact on my life. Well, we started putting out roots in our new neighborhood, and my mother also has the heart of a missionary, and she felt the Lord stirring her heart to invite the neighbors, because every, most everybody was new, to have a coffee. And so we started making the preparations. Mom made invitations, and we just Mom just opened up her home. Anyone who would like to come and meet the neighbors and have a coffee, come on over. And my sister Kate and I, we were the ones who were going to babysit. Everybody <laughs> had kids. And so the ladies came, and it was a great time to just connect. Um, I want to encourage you. You know, I've lived places where people pull in their garage and they put it down, and then they put open, open the door in the morning and back out, they don't know their neighbors. So I would encourage you, have a coffee, host a tea, host a barbecue. If you don't know your neighbors, reach out and start to connect with people right in your community. And so we did that. Um, two ladies came. One, her name was Francine. One lady, her name was Susie. And they were very different, but they were just beautiful women. Susie was a mover and a shaper. She looked around our community and said, there are no parks, no playgrounds for our kids. And she convinced the city to donate land. She built a park, and then we played to our heart's content. Miss <laughs> um, Francie lived right up the street from me. She was an amazing cook. I mean, she can bake pies that truly probably are blue ribbon state fair worthy. And so she would come down the street and share with us and my heart would leap with joy. <laughs> when I saw pie and Francine, <laughs> what a perfect combination. But she would, let, she would let me come in and play with her daughters and a lot of times I would sneak up to the kitchen and she would be cooking and she would let me stand there and watch her and slice and dice and she would talk to me. She didn't know God. She, she wasn't a Christian. I don't think she had any kind of Christian background. But that didn't matter to me. I loved her. And, and she and my mom started taking walks and talking. And we started sharing life together. And so in time, ladies, Susie and her husband and Francine and her husband started doing things as mom and dad started doing things as couples. And God opened the door to share the difference Jesus had made in their lives. And then in time, they too became Christians. And this was all the work of God. And they weren't projects. They were our friends and our neighbors, people that we dearly loved. But Susie and Francine joined my dream team. <laughs> so lives started to be, to be changed. And these women became spiritual cheerleaders in my life. And I wonder when we go to church, have you seen anybody standing alone? I have. Have you seen someone that just doesn't seem to connect? I make a beeline for people like that. 
I want, I want to be their friend. I want them to, be, to feel welcome. And so these ladies help model that for me. And so them pouring into me has helped spur me forward to pour into the others that God has placed in my life. You know, I look around our nation. I look at the culture. Um, I see so many challenges that our young people have that we simply didn't have growing up. And my heart goes out to them. Um, this January, our youth pastor asked my husband Derek and I, we would please consider teaching Sunday school to the, to the youth of our church. And I go to a big church. We have like eight kids, maybe. But Derek and I are determined we're, we're going to show up for these eight. And they told us, we feel anxious. We feel afraid. We're, we're, one young man said, I'm worried I'm going to lose my faith when I go to university. So Derek and I are standing in the gap. We have not been blessed with children. So we've determined we're going to stand in the gap and stand beside those that God puts in our lives. And so we were teaching the book of Romans this summer, which Cutting your teeth on Romans <laughs> as a teenager, that could be a bit of a challenge, but they're up for it. And, um, and we are just trying to continue to build them up, to connect with them, make connections. I was recently reading in Psalm 78, and I'd like to read some of the verses um, from that chapter. It says, my people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth, I will open my mouth and a parable. I will utter hidden things from old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. And that's what we are called to do. Tell the next generation the parables, the stories, um, the praiseworthy things that God has done. And this is our call. This is our mission to be present, to be available, and to connect with the generations behind us. All throughout my life, my mom said, you need a mentor that's going ahead of you and then someone who's coming behind. So it's as if I'm reaching forward, I'm reaching back. And when you clasp hands, there's strength in that. I have women ahead of me telling me, oh, this is what you might encounter, and this is how I got through it. And then I have those coming behind me, and I tell them, you are going to make it. God is awesome. He is strong. He is powerful. He is a way maker, a mountain mover, a trailblazer. He's worthy to follow. Over 23 years ago, I was working here in Cincinnati, and I was working very long hours. I was going to Xavier every other weekend, full time, and I became very ill. And I'm only sharing this because people look at me and think, oh, you, you look like you have health and strength and you have it all together. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> For 23 years, I have battled a rare autoimmune illness that has left me bedridden. At times, I could not drive my car. I could barely shuffle to the, to the kitchen and put in a lean cuisine for my husband. 
So I am serving the Lord out of, out of weakness, my own weakness, but I serve through his strength. And so this difficulty in my life took me out of the workforce and career mode and redirected me. And so the majority of my life since really, I guess 2000, I have focused on the generations coming behind me. I recently heard a statistic that if a young person in a church has five mentors outside of their immediate family, their chances of leaving the church greatly diminish. So Derek and I have decided we will be two of as many, <laughs> as many people as we can. We will come alongside and we will mentor and we will love and we will serve. One way that God has opened the door for me, I have been leading an Titus II mentoring group for girls. And I have opened my home. They come to my home once a month. We have a dinner together. We have Bible study. We have fellowship. And we always top the evening off with dessert. Um, I always open the door early. Anybody wants to come early and help me cook, they're welcome. And boy, ladies, I have had some fun with that. There's something about working alongside teenage girls cooking. I remember one time I was going to have a Mexican, I called it a Mexican fiesta, and I said, all right, I'm going to have you make the guacamole. And so I handed the girls some avocados, and she's like, what are these? <laughs> I was like, you don't know what avocados is, right? So anyway, um, one time I had two girls, one was making spaghetti, one was making a caramel sauce. I literally turned for like 30 seconds, and then I started smelling burning, burning smoke. I turned around, we had a flaming pot, and I had to run out the back door. <laughs> Smoke building everywhere. Um, but you know what, now that those girls are still in my life, and we, we get together, we laugh about those times, and we laugh about um, our mishaps. But we also talk about the great joy that we've had together, and the things that we've learned about God together. And I've had many girls come back to me and say, Miss Kim, your house is a house of peace. I walk in this door and I feel peace here. And that is a comfort. It's a comfort. So the most important thing that God has helped me do is share stories of my life and stories from the scriptures to the girls. A lot of people think you have to set your clock back 2,000 years to understand the Bible. But the Bible is alive and active and full of stories um, of people that lived and walked this earth with God that didn't have it all together, but God used them in a mighty way. So I remember um, when I was a teenager, my mom was trying to teach me how to get a word from God. Like if I had a life situation, how do I find out what God has to say about it? And so my junior prom rolled around, and she said, why don't you seek the Lord about should you go or not? And so I took my Bible, and I thought, they didn't have prom <laughs> thousands of years ago. Like, how is this going to go down? <laughs> but I listened to her, and I went upstairs, and I opened my Bible. I said, Lord, you know there was no prom. Okay, I want to go, but I don't know if I should go. And so I just started reading the scriptures and, and kept praying. 
and not long after that, I fell into Ecclesiastes, where it says there's a time for everything. And then further down, it said, a time to dance. Praise the Lord, I got my answer. So, so I told my teenage girls that, you know, search the scriptures. You know, if you have to Google anxiety in a Bible verse on anxiety, do it. <laughs> because the Bible has something to say about every situation that we encounter. So, um, I'm going to end with a story that has so impacted my life. For years, I have asked God, show me where you're working. I don't know if any of you ever remember the Bible study experiencing God. Some of you remember that? That Bible study was such an impactful study in my life. And one of the things they said was to pray, God, show me where you're working. I want to join you. And so that has become a prayer of my life. And um, before the pandemic, I had been praying and feeling really discouraged. You know, I had sown a lot of seeds and, and shared, but I just felt like hearts were hard and cold and people really weren't interested in knowing God. And that really is God's work. We share and we do what we can do, but he does the impossible. And so that was Father's Day weekend and one of my girls was getting married and it was a full day event. I mean, it was the wedding outside in St. Louis in June was just a scorcher. Then there was a reception right after that. And then we had a little bit of a break and then there was an evening reception. And so we, spent the whole day rejoicing and celebrating, and it was, it was so wonderful. Um, but the next morning was Father's Day, and my husband got up early, and he was gonna drive a couple hours away to spend the day with his dad, and I was tempted to stay home and skip church. And then the Holy Spirit started working on my heart, and I thought, you know what, I can get up and drive the five minutes to church and go, and then I can rest this afternoon. And so I did. I got ready. I got up, and all my 50 years, I'm finally learning. When I feel like I don't want to do something, usually God wants me to do something. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. So I pushed through. <laughs> and so I got to church, and at that time, we had a greeting time um, during, during the service. And so... I greeted those around me, and then my eyes kind of just fell across the aisle, and there was a beautiful young woman standing there alone and just looking anxious and kind of lost. And so I just went right across the aisle, and I just put out my hand, and I said, I'm Kim. I haven't met you before. And she said, my name is Hee-Wan. She said, I am from South Korea. I am lonely. I just arrived here. This is my first time in an American church. And my heart leapt within me. And I said, well, could I take you to coffee or breakfast or lunch? And she said, you could, but I have kids. 
And I said, I love kids. <laughs> and I said, that doesn't deter me at all. And so after service, she got her two little boys, and I said, how about I drive? Because I know the area. And she said, oh, that would be wonderful. And so we piled into my car, and I thought, where am I going to take them? So I thought, we'll go to Cracker Barrel. They have a good breakfast. So we're driving to Cracker Barrel, and I said, well, tell me about yourself. And so she started to tell me that um, she was going to be studying at a school not far from, from where I live. And then she said, I'm a baby Christian, and I don't know the Bible. And I about put the brakes on my Honda Accord <laughs> because I've been praying and praying. And I said, I'm your girl. I am your girl. <laughs> and so we went to Cracker Girl, and God just opened the door wide for connection, for love, for welcoming. And I could not wait to tell my husband there when he got home that I had met her. And so we exchanged phone numbers, and um, I invited her to Bible study fellowship with me. That's a Bible study I attend on Monday nights in St. Louis, and they have a children's program from first grade all the way through high school. And so we started to do life together with Hewan. We took her to Cardinal Games. We took them out to dinner. Um, one night, I uh, said, why don't, you, why don't you come over? Well, she thought we were going to meet at a restaurant. <laughs> and I gave her our address, and she called, and she said, I'm lost in a neighborhood. <laughs> she said, there are no restaurants here. And I said, oh, no, no, you're coming to my home. And ladies, she pulled into my driveway, and she was like a deer in headlights. She was just flustered and stunned, and it kind of, I didn't know what was going on, and I said, well, come in, come in. And she had been a little bit late because she got lost, and she came in, and I had a whole table full of food. And she said, you did this for us. Yes, yes. She said, you don't understand. In my country, when you invite someone into your home, it is an honor. And I said, well, it's our honor to have you here in our home. And so that hospitality, that opening my home up is, was so important in our friendship. And I want to encourage you all, hospitality, it's easy to meet at Bread Co. Panera. <laughs> but if, if you can, if you are able, open your home, having a meal with somebody, or maybe a, just a dessert or a coffee, it's a, it's a more welcoming setting. Um, and there's something more intimate when you're gathered around in a home setting. So anyway, Kiwan and I uh, continued to talk about the things of God, and we started talking about the Bible, uh, Bible that we were studying. And her husband um, was, was concerned about her being alone in America. And so he started making plans that he was going to come and join her. And so one night, she was, before he came, and she was feeling really lonely and really homesick. And I can only imagine being away thousands of miles away from her home would be difficult. So she asked Eric and I to come over to her apartment, and so we did. 
And her little, her youngest boy jumped up on my lap and he had a little Bible book and he really did not speak any English. He understood English, but he didn't speak English. And so I started reading this little book to him. And in the book, it had a story of putting your faith and trust in Jesus. And I just stopped at that moment and I said, Junin, I was seven when I opened the doors of my heart and Jesus came in. And so before we left that night, we got a little circle on the floor in her apartment and Derek and I just wanted to pray over her because she was struggling. And ladies, we started to pray and June Min tugged my sleeve and I opened my eyes and he did this. And I said, would you like to invite Jesus into your heart? And he nodded. So I said, he wants, can you translate and make sure he understands? And so she spoke to him in Korean, and he told her, Mama, I understand. And so we had the privilege of praying with him to receive Jesus. And that night, as she was tucking him in, she was flipping the light on because he was very afraid of the dark. And that night, he said, Mama, you don't have to keep the light on. Jesus is with me. And that little boy wants to be a physician. And it's just so, it was just so amazing to see what God had done in this little, he was about seven, six or seven, what God had done in his life. Well, then not long after that, her husband came. He really didn't speak much English either, but one night we had about 10 people from South Korea over, and it was interesting because they're all speaking Korean and Derek and I are <laughs> We're a little lost. <laughs> and I made a big lasagna and salad and dessert, and we just started talking, and they were translating, and it was just a wonderful time of, of fellowship and connection. And someone asked, why doesn't God just let everybody into heaven? I don't understand. And my husband, Derek, is he knows the Bible like the back of his hand, and he is a theologian. So I, I deferred to Derek. <laughs> and so he took a piece of paper, and some of you have probably have seen this illustration, I think it's from the Navigators, where on one side of the paper he wrote, sinful man, and on the other side he wrote, holy God, with a huge cavern between. And then he drew the cross, and he wrote Jesus. And he said, Jesus bridges this gap between our sin and God. He made a way that we couldn't see. And her husband went, I understand. Two, two days later, Kiwan and I were walking out of Bible study fellowship and she says to me, my husband wants to pray with Derek to receive Christ. And I said, he, he shouldn't wait. <laughs> he doesn't need to wait for Derek. And she said, oh no. He wants this moment with Derek. Okay. So uh, a day later, we went over to their apartment. We had another conversation. And he too said, I'm opening the doors of my heart. I want Jesus to lead me. 
So to this day, P1 and I, we text almost every other week. They're growing in their faith. They're back home in South Korea. I had no, I mean, I had no part in all this. God orchestrated all of this. But he let, I say, he let me tag along for the ride. <laughs> and it gave my own faith a huge boost. So I just want to encourage you. You may have sown seeds and you feel like, you know, my fields are barren. <laughs> God is always at work. He's always going ahead. Just last week, a girl that I had um, made a prayer journal for 20 years ago when she was diagnosed with cancer, she was pregnant with her first baby. She was so afraid, and I just bought a blank journal and put a bunch of scriptures and, and some quotes and just wrote her a letter. She texted me a week ago, and she said, Kim, I want you to know something. You gave me a prayer journal 20 years ago, and I never really looked at it. But she said, just, just recently a family member was diagnosed with cancer. And I found your journal, and now I'm going through it. And every scripture, I'm going back to the Bible to read the context. And I was blown away, that was 20 years ago. And I bet in this room, there are those of us who prayed for people for 20 years, or maybe you shared 20 or more years ago. But that, that's not for naught. God is always at work. And we have to see beyond what we can see. The enemy wants us to think, your efforts are futile. You're not making a difference. Yes, you are. Each one of us has a mission and has a call. We may not be sent to Africa. I remember one time we had a missionary come and speak at, at a church and mom and dad had her over for dinner. And she told us about some tremendous challenges in West Africa. And it, it was kind of heavy, I have to admit, it was heavy. And then that Sunday she spoke again at church and at the end there was a call. She said, all of you who are willing to go wherever God leads, come forward. So my whole family gets up, or so I thought. We go to the front of the church, and we look. Priest sits in their seat, but my sister Kate, she had not moved a muscle. She and a man in a wheelchair, which he had a good reason, probably, that he couldn't come down front. So we get home, and we say, Kate, look, why didn't you come forward? She said, I'm not going to Africa. <laughs> what are the chances God calls you to Africa? She's like, I'm not even chancing that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because we also like we have our limits. We think, oh, you're outgoing. You have the gift of, of gab. Or you have a tremendous, tremendous story of salvation. And I don't. That's not true. Each one of you has a powerful story. And it's his story. He's writing your story. So remember, too, that God knows exactly who to connect you with. You can reach people probably I can't. But it's time for some of us 
to get off the couch and get in the game. Our Lord needs, he's calling us up to active duty. You know what your gifts are. You know what your mission field is. Ask him, Lord, show me where you want me to join you. I am available, and God will be faithful to, to answer that prayer, answer that prayer. So I thank you for your time this morning. Thank you for letting me just share a little bit of my story, and I have been praying for you all for months, and I will keep praying because we are needed at this time. God set us in this time for such a time as this. And we have an opportunity to make an impact for his name and for the good of others.